Hey, 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 welcome to Handpan Podcast, a space to listen to music and stories of transformation. I am your host, Florencia Duron. I am excited for this episode because it is the first episode that we record in English. Woohoo! For those of you who speak Spanish, you can check out the Spanish episodes on Spotify and YouTube. The way this podcast works is that I invite guests to tell a true story from their lives that is meaningful to them. You will hear me play an instrument called the handpan while my guests perform their stories. My guest today is an interesting one. Her name is Melina Gross. Melina is a consultant in nightlife and party culture. She is also a performer, installation artist, and immersive event producer. In her story, she shares what it was like to be a highly sensitive person in a society that celebrates toughness and how she found lightness through art. Before we jump in, I want to thank the Transformation Project for sponsoring this episode. Transformation Project is a research collaborative at Arizona State University formed by a group of very cool professors and grad students who conduct social research and encourage healthy communication behaviors. Check them out. They're really cool. I will leave their link in the description box. Thank you for listening and enjoy. My name is Melina Gross. I am 35 years old, and I am a crybaby. Growing up, people called me weak, they called me fragile. They said I was too sensitive and needed to toughen up. Get over it. It's not such a big deal. Why are you crying? Why do you act like this? What's wrong with you? It feels like any sort of emotional response or experience can cause tears, frustration, fear, anxiety. I get overwhelmed in the processing of intense emotions, manifesting in physical pain and discomfort. I have cried in front of bullies, teachers, teammates, bosses, customers. It seems to come up most often when the power balance is not in my favor. I am severely impacted by sensory inputs, sudden loud noises, electronic beeps, bright or flashing lights, loud engines, leaf blowers, clicks and repetitive sounds feel amplified inside my head. process information, environments, and experiences deeply, sometimes obsessively, which leads to analysis paralysis and difficulty making decisions. Violence in film and media gets imprinted in my brain, playing on repeat in my subconscious, causing nightmares and sleeplessness. I tend to over-empathize with other people's emotions, often taking them on as my own. It seems like the 
rest of the world is operating in a parallel existence that allows them to ignore the things that make me feel insane. I feel like I'm an outsider existing in a world that I don't fit into and no one else can relate to my experience. stoplight town with one dominant religion of which my family was not a part of. We were all outsiders in that way. I am the youngest. My brother and sister are four and six years older than me. My siblings would dominate me physically and emotionally. They would expose my sore spots and just dig into them. They would often hold me down, type on my chest or forehead, or confine me in tight, uncomfortable spaces, or literally just poke at me until I screamed. They thought they would toughen me up in this way. And they may have been right, but at the time, it felt like constant torture, where I had no power. And as much as I hated being dominated and picked on by my older siblings, I started dating someone when I was 17 who would do the same, but in a playful way. The undercurrent of his joking and poking still felt like dominance and control. It would trigger me into shutting down or an emotional outburst. But Josh was also my rock and protector. He was my best friend and closest ally. When I was with him, I had a safe space and I found it easier to navigate the world with him by my side. Josh moved to Phoenix for school when I was still a senior in high school, but we continued to date long distance and kept a strong connection. existence up to that point. My only impression of the outside world was from the TV and news. Let me tell you, I was rocked out of my shelter. I was no longer in my familiar small town with my close friends and everything I had ever known. I had to start over and learn how to adjust to a big city with new people. My freshman roommate was an international student from the Netherlands named Marit. We connected instantly and built a really close bond. She introduced me to a group of international students and I loved hanging out with people from other countries for the first time. Otherwise, I felt shy and disconnected and had trouble making new friends. Everything felt unfamiliar and my threshold for emotional discomfort was very low. Because I was so used to feeling judged, it made me more judgmental of others, keeping them at a distance. Coping with my discomfort, I fell into escapism. I was napping every day when I should have been studying, avoiding responsibilities by sleeping. I would freeze 
up with anxiety until the last possible moment to complete my assignments. I smoked weed to quiet my overactive mind and then numbed myself with movies and television. I would drink every weekend and sometimes get blackout drunk, becoming extremely emotional or instigate irrational arguments. It's like the alcohol would thin the veil on all of the emotions that I wasn't dealing with in my sober life. It was embarrassing to hear the stories the next day about my behavior, but it was even more difficult not to escape. One day, Marit sat me down and said, Melina, I'm noticing these traits about you and I think you might be a highly sensitive person. Check out this website, take this test, and see if it's something you can relate with. Uh, highly sensitive? Yeah, obviously. I felt called out, but I went ahead and took the test. It was simple. 27 statements with check boxes. If you check more than 14 boxes, you may be a highly sensitive person. When I was a child, my parents or teachers saw me as sensitive or shy. Check. I am deeply moved by arts or music. Check. I make a point to avoid violent movies and TV shows. Check. When people are uncomfortable in a physical environment, I tend to know what needs to be done to make it more comfortable. I am easily overwhelmed by strong sensory input. I am aware of subtleties in my environment. Other people's moods affect me. I tend to be very sensitive to pain. Changes in my life shake me up. I startle easily. I get rattled when I have a lot to do and I'm rattled in a short amount of time. I checked every single box and I thought to myself, oh, I'm not alone. This isn't something that's unique to my experience at all. In fact, it is estimated that 15 to 20% of the population are highly sensitive persons, or HSPs. It is a trait found in people with a more sensitive central nervous system. Brain scans have even shown that HSPs respond to stimuli differently. Think of an HSP, think of HSP as a spectrum where people experience different levels of intensity in their sensitivity. And I believe I am on the higher end of that spectrum. But that's not all. Within the population of those who are HSPs, 30% are also high sensory seeking. So I took that test as well, and it was like the most accurate horoscope I'd ever read. I enjoy the unfamiliar. I don't like waiting with nothing to do. I rarely watch a movie more than once. If I see something unusual, I will go out of my way to check it out. My friends say it's hard to predict what I will want to do. I avoid having a daily routine. I am drawn to art that gives me an intense experience. I like substances that make me feel high. I prefer friends who are unpredictable. I would love to be an explorer. Yep, checked all those boxes, again. So for a highly sensitive, high sensory seeking extrovert, the pleasing qualities of sensory experiences can feel amazing in contrast with those that can feel incredibly uncomfortable and debilitating. 
basically, I'm oscillating between ecstasy and overwhelm, like, all of the time. At first, I was blown away with this information, but I think I was also afraid to dig in. So, like a typical 18-year-old who wasn't ready to deal with my own shit, I tucked it away to the back of my mind for about 10 years. Josh and I loved music festivals and attended as many concerts as possible, which eventually led us to the Coachella Valley Music Festival, attracting 80 to 100,000 people every April. It was my first time being in crowds that massive. Most of the time, I felt ecstatically connected to the music and the experience of high production shows, but I struggled to be in dense crowds. I had to look down during this flashing strobe lights and cringed at the sudden loud noises like that stupid foghorn that people would blare at electronic shows. Like, what is that anyway? At my first Coachella, we were deep in a crowd waiting to see Crystal Castles perform. It's late afternoon and the sun is blaring from the back of the massive tent. The show is running 15 minutes late, and at this point, I am feeling the heat. There's no air movement. People are getting restless and keep pushing tighter and tighter as more people squeeze themselves into this show. My palms sweat. My head feels light. My heart rate increases. My insides clench. I start to panic and feel like I'm either going to scream or pass out. It's hard for me to communicate when this happens, but it feels like a complete internal meltdown where I might look fine from the outside. I turn to Josh and I say, I have to go. He says, no way, the show is about to start. And I say, I have to go. And I push my way through the crowd until I am back in the open air, out of just safe, but sh shaken. I kick myself. Why can't I just be okay? Why can't I be in there with that big group of people and just be able to exist like everyone else? reduced our things, and put the rest in storage. We condensed our lives into our backpacks and set off on an epic adventure together. We traveled for nine months in total. Three months in the US with six, month, six weeks on each side, visiting family and friends across the country. Then we spent three months in Europe and three months in Southeast Asia. As far as comfort zone pushing goes, this was a huge step into the unknown and learning how to adapt to situations and environments I couldn't control. 
nearing the end of our trip, there was a time when Josh and I just couldn't be nice to each other. So we would go our separate ways for the day and meet up again at dinner. It was the first time I realized that I had a choice about staying in this relationship. I'd had complete tunnel vision up to that point with a very linear view of my life path. When we got home from our travels, we found a place to live in Flagstaff again and started settling into normal life. But within a few months, we decided to go to Burning Man, which changed everything. services or vendors and it sounds dirty have you seen the photos of those white dusted hippies but along our journey around the world we repeatedly ran into other travelers who would meet us and say no you need to go to burning man so we went i read up everything I could before going and became more invested in the whole mission and culture behind it. Some things worth noting, Burning Man is not a festival. It is a temporary city that rises from the dust and falls back to dust again. It is a community and a global movement that is based on the 10 principles, such as leave no trace, radical inclusion, and immediacy. whatever you make of it. Like most cities, you can find whatever experience you're looking for. The organizers lay out the map with streets and signs across a five-mile diameter in the Black Rock Desert of Nevada. They fund art installations, build the man, and provide basic infrastructure like porta potties and ice. Everything else is contributed by the participants. The camps, the mutant vehicles or art cars, Music, sound stages, more art, performance venues, workshops, events, games, bars, food. I felt so inspired by all these people creating and gifting experiences for one another. The art was on a scale and quality like I'd never experienced. And no permission is required to create or share. You create the show. People from all over the world gather to celebrate in this massive social experiment together. Riding bikes across the playa, I felt like I had room to breathe and could choose when I wanted to immerse myself in a workshop at a camp, or explore art in deep playa, or stop and dance at an art car soundstage. If I didn't connect with something, place or experience that felt right for me in that moment. Our friend TC was our guide that first year and I remember him saying, you are going to love house music by the time this week is over. At that point, I was a hard rock kid to the core and had never connected with electronic music. I laughed at him and I said, yeah, right. But sure enough, a seed was planted for my love for house music to bloom. That week in the desert changed me in ways that are hard to describe. 
something immediate shifts I noticed was my ability to connect with strangers more easily. Like the imaginary barrier that I had placed between myself and the rest of the world had been lowered. I started to see the beauty and insecurity in everyone. And I felt empowered to be the bridge to reach out and make the connection rather than waiting for someone else to engage. It was bubbling inside me, ready to explode. I want to create. I want to perform. I want to curate meaningful experiences for other people. I want to share my magic with the world. Talking about my ideas got me so excited about them. And I'd share them with my close friends and see them get excited too, which made me feel even more motivated to pursue my ideas. Over the next few months, I shared my ideas with Josh, and he would often respond with doubt. I said, Josh, I want to learn how to swing dance. Will you swing dance with me? He said, what? No way. That's lame. I'm not into it. I said, Josh. I want to make an art installation with LEDs and tour with it to different festivals. Wouldn't that be great? Okay, but you don't know the first thing about electrical wiring and who's going to teach you? I said, Josh, I want to produce a festival that brings together our local Native American tribes and a cross-cultural celebration that marries modern and ancient festival styles. Uh, that would never work. That's crazy. Just stop. So I did. I stopped being with him. I cut the cord on the only relationship I had known for the last 10 years. It was the most difficult decision of my life. I knew I had love, trust, and friendship, and I was afraid to give that up. I needed to pursue my ideas and create without permission. I knew that I needed to figure out who I was and learn how to stand on my own. But without Josh, I had to learn how to be my own protector. Within months, I joined the BZB, a vaudeville burlesque group called the Big Zona Burlesque. We did pop-up parties and original shows that old-timey western meets circus vibe. I developed my first alias as Lucy James, the sweet and sassy lassie from the deep south. I like to play cards, I like to play men, I like to have a good time. I found freedom through character play, getting, into, getting to step into a whole other version of myself, learning how to improv with people on the fly as a fearless, fame-driven femme fatale. 
I developed original skits with a slapstick magician as his assistant, gracefully picking up the pieces as his magic tricks went terribly wrong. The magician taught me how to swing dance, helping me tap into a shared language and something I'd always wanted to learn. Becoming Lucy James connected me to a new community of expressive performers and fantastic weirdos. My confidence grew with each performance and I started to find my power. I was no longer the victim of my environment, but I became the author and creator of my own story. I was in the early stages of a rapid acceleration of personal growth. I stopped watching television and movies, limited my news intake, and started practicing better moderation and self-care. As I pushed through my fear and anxiety, I was breaking down self-imposed barriers that had held me back. I challenged myself to say yes to things I never would have dreamed of doing before. working on an art project I was super excited about. I completed the first step towards building an eight-foot-tall LED sculpture made with 49 bicycle rims. I felt on top of the world. So on my way home, I stop by my local coffee shop and I see my friend Dia from the BZB. She comes up to me and says, Melina, I need you to do me the biggest favor. Startled and intrigued, so I say, okay, what do you need? I've got you, girl. She grabs both of my arms, looks me right in the eyes, and says, I need you to wear pasties and a thong and let people eat cake off of you in two hours. So in honor of my fear work, I say yes, and I get that information from her. It's the first ever Flagstaff Fetish Ball that night, and I am going to be the dessert buffet in the VIP room. I go home running this surreal situation through my mind. Did I just say yes to that? Am I actually gonna do this? I have to. I can't let her down, and there is no time to back out. Take a shower and I process the intense fear and doubt that I am feeling. I love my body, but I also have small breasts that have led to a lot of insecurity about my femininity. And I'm not the ideal body type for things like this. I'm not what people are expecting. I wash off the fear and anxiety and shift my narrative into loving myself and my body. I get out of the shower, look at myself in the mirror and say, you are beautiful and perfect exactly as you are. You can do this. I put on a blue wig and fun accessories that make me look like a delicious lollipop queen. The pasties and thong had these big colorful flowers on them. I look fucking great. 
On the way to the venue, I coach myself. If I am awkward about this, everyone is going to feel it. I need to tap into my Lucy James power and become the person who people want to eat cake off of. I walk into that room and step into my role as the host of that room and my body. This experience is beyond anything I could have expected. I am covered neck to wrist to ankle in desserts and fruit and chocolate sauce. And even though I can't move, I am the source of energy in the room. And as each person walks in, I greet them and say, welcome, would you like a taste? that we wanted to experience, the kind of party that wasn't happening in our community. We launched during the time when dark dubstep and intense trap music dominated the scene. In contrast, we played house music and offered a softer, sexier, more social experience. House music feels good partly because the BPMs are closer to the beat of your heart. We developed esoteric themes, communicated through the poster design, the transformation of the space, and the physical performances. We explored things like transitions, illusions, reflections, and shadows, featuring performances with acro yogis, stilt acrobats, aerialists, dancers, and body painters. Our DJs were on the floor to be closer to the crowd, leaving the elevated stage behind them as a performance area. We used soft, moody lighting in contrast with flashing lights. Everything had a progression. The music would start out with the, at a lower volume, with the lights a little bit brighter, inviting people to connect and socialize. Then as the night would progress, the music would get louder and the lights would get darker, building towards a frenetic dance party at the end of the night. I found it was easier to make friends if there was a project to work on and a shared goal. We featured a variety of talent from our local community, creating a framework for artists to conceptualize with. We created a connected, collaborative community event. People enjoyed getting involved and being a part of a collective vision. I just created the platform and the opportunity for them to do so. Sharing in the magic of what we created together and experiencing the joy of everyone's who attended was the best high. I felt connected, included, valued, and grounded in my unique abilities. Producing Inner Space helped me tap into my gifts as a highly sensitive person. I am aware of subtleties and stimuli and space that allow me to curate social experiences through my events. I can intuitively design the emotion or feeling that I want to communicate through a certain area or installation. My obsessive analytical brain allows me to conceptualize and execute my ideas accurately while maintaining awareness of the many parts that it takes to contribute to the whole. 
As a leader, I can organize the pieces in a way to support the success of each individual, allowing them to focus on their particular contribution. Stepping into my role as a leader offered unique challenges, but once again, I found strength in my vulnerability. I started to check my emotional reactions to things and to not take other people's emotions personally, even though I felt them deeply. I learned how to tune into the dynamics of a situation and communicate from a place of calm. When I felt an emotional trigger set off by another person, I could recognize it, breathe into it, and connect with my empathy for the other perspective. When dealing with people who were drunk or in an altered state, I found that making clear, emotionless directives was the best way to communicate. Like, excuse me, you're standing too close. I feel uncomfortable. Please give me more space. Learning to speak without emotion helped reduce the potential for an emotional response from the other person. The more I practiced, the more I trusted myself to tackle difficult communication with care. to get in the driver's seat of my life. Going through this process of transformation, I gained tools and coping mechanisms that helped me shift my ability to navigate the world with more strength and confidence, which extended into all aspects of my life. I was able to transform my greatest weakness into my greatest gift. While I still felt deeply impacted by emotions, energy, and stimuli, I've developed some mantras that help me stay grounded in these lessons I've learned along the way. Intentional attention. Being aware of my inputs and avoiding violence in media. Inner, outer reflection. Expressing with authentic symmetry, both internally and externally, like speaking about others in a way that I would only speak to them. Open, but protected. Setting boundaries while remaining soft. Putting on energetic armor before heading into a high sensory environment. Release control to gain control. This is where I focus on what I can control, which is my own actions, words, and responses. And I release the emotion about the things that I can't control. And finally, choose your narrative. Our words, thoughts, and emotions shape our reality. By taking control of my own narrative, I choose to live my best story.